going to talk about worry today. And that worrying, you're supposed to not be a warrior, you're supposed to be a warrior. You're not supposed to be a W-O-R, you're supposed to be a W-A-R. When you're worrying, did you know you're not trusting God? That's the bottom line. You are not trusting God, and trust needs to be bigger. And the only way for that to happen is that you do not need to worry. Uh, The children of Israel is a good example of this. They were in Egypt. God did all these miraculous signs. He delivered them from the ten plagues when it was total darkness in Egypt. The sun was shining bright in Goshen where they were at, which was inside of Egypt. And uh, so he did all of these uh, awesome signs and wonders. He opened up the Red Sea. They walked across on dry ground. The Egyptians tried to follow them. The waters came crashing down, drowned the the whole army of Egypt. All of these tremendous signs. And then in Exodus chapter 17, verse 3, and the people thirsted for water. This is after all of that. And the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? You know, your first response is, Are you kidding me? God did all of that to bring you to this point to see you get defeated or destroyed or die. If he wanted that, he would just left you back in Egypt and let the Egyptians kill you for hard labor. All of this stuff. But you know what? We do the same thing. We have things in our life that, in our past, that uh, they may have been like a natural thing, but it was supernatural, and maybe that you got that promotion, that you got that job when you weren't supposed to, that you got uh, your finances in order when you didn't think you, you could make it. There's been so many times that you maybe in your marriage or your children that something happened, and, and so there's been all kinds of things that God brought you to this point, and sometimes we just forget that, and, and we think his grace ran out. For what you're going through right now. Well, his grace has not ran out. When facing a trial, a tragedy, it's easy to, to just forget about everything that God's done for you and me. Isn't it easy to do that? Just to forget it. Well, but people are not, and God does not want us to worry. And you say, well, that's just... That's just too hard of a thing to not do. Well, I'm going to help you out. I believe God's going to help you out today because when we worry, we're saying that even though I believe God will take care of us, I'm not for sure if he can get me through what I'm going through right now. Well, Psalms 37, David said, I've been young and I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. God told us not to worry. And if he told us not to worry, you and I have the ability to not worry. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, he said, Therefore I say unto you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body, what you're going to put on it. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Then if you drop down to verse 27, which of you by worrying can add one cubic to his stature? So why do you worry? 
In other words, I think sometimes psychologically we think, well, if we worry enough, it could change the circumstance out here, which in reality it's just the opposite because when you worry, it causes you to be uh, upset. Even science has said that worrying can cause your body to have physical things wrong with it. That's why it's called disease, dis-ease, your body, because Jesus said that healing, when you have the peace of God within you, peace can bring healing to your physical body. And so what does the devil and, and the, just things in life want you to be at dis-ease so you won't have peace, so you won't receive healing for your body? Verse 31 of Matthew 6 says this, Therefore, do not worry. Don't worry. Saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? And then if you drop down to verse 33, this is a familiar scripture probably to some of you. It says that, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Usually, everybody stops right at that verse. Did you know in the Greek, back then there was no punctuation. There was no commas or periods. So the very next sentence says this. It says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry. Therefore, do not worry. So this is the thing. Seek first the kingdom of God, that's one, and his righteousness. This is the thing. Are you listening? If you know that the kingdom of God is within you, and you know that you're righteous, you will never have to worry about anything. If you know that the kingdom is within you, and you know that you've been made righteous... There is no reason for you or me to ever worry about anything. Why? Because the king of kings lives inside of you, and you are the righteousness of God. Therefore, why would you even be tempted to worry about anything? That's powerful. It's a powerful thing. So Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says over and over and over again, don't worry. Don't worry. Do not worry. Some people think, well, if I don't have any control over the situation, if I don't worry. Jesus was trying to get the point to you and to me. I mean, so many people, they want us to concentrate on the big sins. You know, let's, let's just really focus on the big sins. I think if you focus on this one, I'm telling you, it, it causes sickness in your body. It causes marriages to be disgruntled. It causes problems between you and your children causes problems between you and your boss. And the thing is, it's our responsibility not to worry. I know there's been times you may have said, Lord, would you just take this worry from me? It's not going to happen. If it was, that would have been what Jesus emphasized in Matthew Matthew chapter 6. He says, just ask me and I'll take the worry from you. But in time and time again, he said, do not worry. So are you ready? Stop it. You need to trust God. You need to trust God. Listen to the definition. I'm going to give you two definitions. This is the first definition uh, of worry. It says to torment oneself with disturbing thoughts. To torment oneself. So, um, and the second one is this. I like this one. To seize by the throat with the teeth and shake or mangle. 
Google that. I didn't make that up. To seize by the throat with the teeth and shake or mangle. That's what, when you start worrying, then that gives the devil opportunity to do that to you and to me. The devil has no control over your thought life. He can put a negative thought in your mind, but he cannot make you worry. Brother Hagin used to say this, you can, uh, a bird can fly over your head and you can't stop that, but you can definitely stop a bird from making a nest in your hair. So, a lot of times our worries rooted in our past or in our future. Well, as far as the past is concerned, Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, he said, uh, forget those things are in the past. Forget it. Because there's so many times we, I, we've all done this. Man, I wish I wouldn't have said that. I wish I wouldn't have did that. I wish I would have responded better. Have you been there? And so you think about that, and you think about that, and, you think, and it just eats at you. And you think, man, I just, I spoke at a, a convention uh, up in Denver. Um, it was a packed house, at the big ballroom and everything. And I said something that has just came back and came back and came back. And I think, what was I thinking to say that? And I'm not even going to tell you what I said. But the Lord said, you know, you, you know that you can't change or relive that. I said, I know, but a man, I wish I went. And he said, no, you cannot change or relive that. So let it go. Let it go. You want me to go there? No, okay. But people also worry about the future. And you say, well, it's just hard. It's just hard. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7. And let me just back up. When you are worrying, you're saying it's an indication that you're assuming the responsibility and that God has nothing to do with it. It's all up to you. Did you hear that? You're assuming that God can't help the situation. First Peter chapter 5 says, Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all, on him, on Jesus. For, why? Because he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. So don't give in to worry. Well, you say, man, it's just really hard. This is, I'm going to give you just two simple things to do, and it'll knock worry out. The first one is, when you start to worry about something, just start praising God about it. You know, people worry, what do you normally worry about? People worry about their finances. People worry about, you know, their marriage situation, if it's not been that good. People worry about their children. People worry about their job. People worry about their future, that maybe they're going to get laid off. People worry about their health. You know, you feel a pain, you go, oh, no. I've never felt a pain like this. I've told you the story before. I, I was... Uh, Walking around, and I started having a, just a soreness in my chest. And I th the first thought you have is what? Holy cow. I think a heart attack's trying to come on my body. And I started walking around, and, I, and fear just ever so slightly tried to get a, a hold of me. And finally, I was, just, I was praying. That was a good thing. I was praying. The Lord just said, what did you do yesterday in this past week? 
He said, what did you overdo? And I said, I was lifting weights. And, and so I was lifting weights, and, and I lifted more than I should. And he said, that's the tightness in your chest. And as soon as I thought that, I just thought, I'm sure you can tell. But anyway, but as soon as I thought that, <laughs> it just that, that pressure and everything went away. What is the point? The point is when you worry, you don't worry about, oh, it's just a little tightness. No, you, we go to the top. You know, it's not just like a pre- cancer, heart attack. Whatever's the worst one, that's where your mind wants to take you to. The very worst one. And so you, we can stop that by praising God by the stripes of Jesus. 1 Peter 2.24, I'm the healed of the Lord. I've been redeemed from the curse, Galatians 3.13. So you just got to grab hold and start praising God. And that causes the worry to subside. Something's going to cause the teeter-totter. You know, whatever the weight, the biggest weight is going to cause that thing to go up. So if you put praise on the biggest weight, it's going to cause the doubt and the worry to start going down. So start thanking God, praising Him. Start thanking Him. You know, and, and here's a big one for a lot of people. Your children. Your children. People worry about my children. Well, I just worry about my kids. That usually helps, doesn't it? That was sarcasm. It does not help. I'm going to give you a scripture today because I felt like when I was looking over this, there's probably quite a few people in here that need help with their kids and worry. Isaiah 54, 13 says this, All thy children shall be taught to the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thy children. So this is what you do when you worry about your kids. You know, they're hanging around the wrong kids. You know, and once they're gone out of your house, then you really worry because you think you have no control. So you still have control. Prayer is so powerful. You say, you know, you just go out there and you can paint the world red. You can do all kinds of things to it. But when the dust settles, you're going to be serving God. You're going to be loving God because I prayed for you. And as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. So you stand upon that word. So you can praise and then you take a scripture and you stand on it and say, I believe the word of God shall not return void. It shall accomplish that which it was sent to do. And you stand on that, and you stand on that. And you know what will probably happen? Let me just tell you that it will go so much worse. (laughs) It usually does that. It's kind of like the devil or the situation says, okay, I'm just really going to, you know, they say, I, I don't totally understand this, but they said the darkest moment is right before sunrise. I believe a lot of times when your body is just the worst pain or something's going on the worst, it's just kind of like, okay, here's the point. Are you going to give in to that? Are you going to give in to it? you got to stand against that. You know, that's what Greg was preaching on last week, faith. You stand against it. And the Bible says when you've done all, you keep standing. You keep standing. I just know this has helped me so much in my life, especially when it comes to healing. I just keep standing, and I keep standing, and I keep standing. It's helped me in every part of my life. I've, um, I've did some things in my life that I look back, I go, wow, man. That I didn't have anything really to, to support me but God. I was a... Uh, 
Danielle was four years old, and the Lord called me to go to Bible school. And it was just me and her in Louisville, Kentucky. So FedEx had a hiring freeze, so I was going to move to Tulsa. I was not going to have a job. I had no place to live, and I had no one to watch her because I knew no one in Tulsa. And here we are going on interstate with just our clothes in my car and her, and that's all we had. Except a word from God. This is the point. Are you listening? When you have a word, it is more powerful than anything, and it will cause you to be at peace, and you will know without a shadow of a doubt that God's going to make a way when there's no way that looks possible. So we got a hotel room that night. The next day, I went to Raymond, looked at their board, and they had a, um, a, a few cards up there. So I called. One just stuck out to me, and I called, and, and a lady answered, and she had a family. And I said, well, it says room and board here, and, she, and I'm from, you know, first-year Raymond student, and so uh, I need a room and board. She goes, oh, yeah, come right over, and we'll meet you. I said, well, there's one other thing. I got a four-year-old, and she did not skip a beat. She goes, oh, that is so awesome. She says, I have a daughter. If you need somebody to watch her, she's homeschooled, and she's 16 years old, and she would just love it. She's great with children, and so you would have somebody to watch your daughter anytime you needed to. Ka-ching. The next day, so I went there. We had a place to stay. I had somebody to watch her. The next day, I just went to the FedEx office, and I was just going to say, I was here. There was hiring freeze. I said, I know there's a hiring freeze. I just want the manager to know. And as I was talking, I was interrupted by somebody who said my nickname. Opie Taylor, come on back here. My mouth fell open, and I went. I started walking back there, and I, that's what they called me in, in Louisville. That's what they call me. Do not call me that today. <laughs> there was somebody out there who was thinking, oh, wow, Opie. No. <laughs> we'll nip that in the bud right away. But anyway, so uh, I walked back there, and the manager of the station said, take a seat, Opie. And I said, what's going on? He said, your manager called me. And told me that you would probably, she told me to stop by. And so I was just doing what she said. And uh, she called me and told me about what you did in Louisville. I was in charge of the aircraft operation. And he says, I think you would fit in here. I said, well, what about the hiring freeze? He says, I know people that are bigger than the hiring freeze. And I know God who's bigger than the hiring freeze. That's the key. Knowing God. Knowing that, you know what, God, I'll do what you want me to do, and he will always open up a door for you. He will cause your body to be made whole. He'll cause finances to come from where you don't even have a clue. We have to quit looking to wait. This is how I can only make money is just through my paycheck. This is or the Social Security system or whatever. We have to quit doing that. We have to look outside and start trusting our scripture, trusting the Lord with all of our heart and lean not. And to your own understanding. And all of your ways, acknowledge him. So, man, I, when we were driving from Louisville to Tulsa, I, there's, I prayed just about the whole way, man. I said, Lord, I thank you. 
that my steps are ordered by you. You're making ways for me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I just started meditating upon that all the way, that 12-hour drive all the way there. And so I got hired within just a couple of days. Everything that was so concerning to me that I needed was fulfilled. And then, I'll just do this real quick. God called us to go to Africa. I met Melody at Bible school. We got married. Now, after two years, after we graduated, I worked at FedEx for two more years. And then the Lord says, I want you to go to Africa. And this is what they said. This is how you do it. You itinerate, send out letters. We got a professional letter. A friend of ours who was a graphic artist sent out all of these brochures to every church that we knew, every person we knew. And uh, I got three returns out of hundreds and hundreds. I only got three. And uh, to make a long story short, I needed several hundreds of dollars to, uh, to be able to go. We had less than $100. And the Lord says, it's time for you to go. So we left. We left for Africa. I, I quit my job. Gave them two months notice, actually. Quit my job November 1991. I believe it was 91. We left for Africa. Not enough money. Our rental house where we were going to be, mission house, was going to be $300 a month. We didn't even have that much. But for the year and a half we were there, we paid rent every single month. We ate good. And we were able to be a blessing. How did that happen? Oh, and that's not it all. We had enough money in the bank that we could pay cash for our flights for the three of us, Danielle, Melody, myself, to come back to America because God told me uh, that you're going to start a church in Pueblo, Colorado. Every need met. Every need met. My whole entire life, I've always been provided for. I'm not here to brag. I'm just telling you that's my God. He'll make a way. He'll make a way. He'll make a way. We started this church in a hotel, didn't know one single person in this town. And about nine or 11 people showed up the first Sunday. My mom called me the night she was alive back then. And uh, she called me that Saturday night. She says, well, tomorrow's the big day. I said, yeah. She said, how many people do you think will be there? I said, I don't know. She says, nobody's told you they're going to be at the church? Not a one. She said, Mike. What if you get there and nobody shows up? I said, I'll preach to Melody and Danielle, and I'll take up an offering. They better give. <laughs> My point is this. We did take up an offering. My, I had a board, and uh, I settled on with a board that um, I was going to get $100 a, a week. That was going to be my starting salary. So my starting salary was $100 a week. And uh, I think the, for the month, I had to pay for a month, if I remember, 200 and something dollars for the hotel room uh, to have the service. That first offering covered both of those expenses and had some left over. I'm telling you, God is so good. He's faithful. But this is the point. We have to get out of the realm of worry and get into the realm of trust. We have to trust God. He's good. He's faithful. He'll provide for you. <laughs> He'll provide for you. Young people, he has the right person for you. Moms and dads, he'll take care of those children. 
If you're concerned about your future, everybody's concerned. You know, what's going to be the future? What's going to happen with this COVID? What's going to happen with our finances? What's going to happen? I don't know, but I do know one thing. Jesus is still Lord. And he will take care of us no matter what. He will take care of you. He will always provide for you. Anyway, the scripture for our offering, I I have said this every day since January 1st. The Lord gave me that. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified. Let the Lord be magnified. I said, let the Lord be magnified. Who what? Who has pleasure in the prosperity of And then you just say your name. God takes pleasure. He doesn't just enjoy it. It's pleasure. You know, there's a difference between, oh, I just enjoy that. Woo, I take pleasure in that. Man, it just knocks it up. God wants you to know that he takes pleasure in the prosperity. And listen to me. Prosperity is not just finances. Prosperity means that you have peace in your heart about life. It means that you are All is well with your relationship with God. All is well between you and your spouse, you and your friends. Everything is at peace. That's prosperity. Prosperity is health and strength in your body, health and strength in your mind. But it also does include your wallet. But it includes every area of your life. And God takes pleasure when that is happening. But it's not, he's provided it, but it's up to you and to me to trust him for that to manifest through us and in us. We have to trust God for that. That's why it's not automatic. He has taken care of it, but you and I have to trust Him, believe Him, have faith that it's a done deal. And even if you're not seeing it, even if you're not feeling it, I'm going to trust God that it's done. We have to believe that. I'm going to close with this. I'm going to tell you something that I am praying for, that the Lord says it's going to happen. I'm so glad you come to this church because I'm praying that this is what I pray for you every week, probably almost every day, but every, I can honestly say every week, I pray this for you. I say, Father, I want them to be on fire for God and hunger for you. I want God to be the number one thing in their life. I want God to be the number one thing in everybody's life that comes to our church. Check. I say, I want people to be happy. I want people to have victory in their life, in their marriages, in their body, in their finances. I want that, God. I don't want to just teach people to live how to get to heaven. I want to teach people how to live on this planet and cause heaven to be manifested here in Pueblo. I was praying this today on Wednesday prayer. Wednesday prayer, I prayed this. I said, and it just came out. This was not Mike Davis praying. I don't know if you understand about things like that, but I was praying, and when I, after I prayed it, I thought, holy cow, holy cow. And I said, God, you're going to show up and manifest yourself in Pueblo, and people are going to be amazed, and people in Springs, and people in Denver, and even people outside of the state are going to just sit there and be amazed and say, Pueblo, how can anything like that happen in Pueblo? But it's going to happen. It's going to happen in our city. 
It's going to happen that God's going to manifest himself and he's going to show himself strong in our city. He's going to show himself strong not only to those who don't even believe in God. He's not going to show himself strong to those who just have God on the fringe. But he's going to show himself to everybody, which include us. Because I'm telling you, it's time for even church people to know and understand how much God loves us at a greater level than we've ever known before. God wants to make himself known. Just It's that whole story of Pharaoh and the Egyptians. God made himself strong. God says, I'm wanting to do that. Mike, just start preaching and believing and causing the people to have faith for that, that I'll do it in your city. They said this about Jesus. Oh, he's from Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? The Lord says, that's what they're going to say about Pueblo. That's what people do say about Pueblo. I was part of the, I'm still part of this organization, and I help coach and, uh, people in, in certain things. And this one lady, she says, I used to live in Pueblo. I said, oh, and I got so excited. She goes, oh, no, Mike, no. She goes, I know about Pueblo. And I could tell. I go, okay, I knew where this conversation was going. She said, that's just, um, that, that town, oh, the attitude of everybody down there, and you know, you know, Mike. And I go, No, I don't, because I don't see Pueblo like that. I see Pueblo as an awesome city. I see Pueblo as a city that God ordained to prosper and to be joyful and to be happy and to just cause the light of the gospel to spread forth. That's how I see Pueblo. But go ahead. Go ahead. It makes me feel like Clint Eastwood. Go ahead and make my day. I got the gun cocked. Okay, maybe not. But anyway, you know what I'm saying? We have to believe that Pueblo is going to do well. Even in the midst of any kind of thing, Isaac sold in the time of famine. You're not supposed to do that. But if you trust God, you can do that. And you'll get a hundredfold return. I believe God wants to make himself known. Let's start believing that, church. It starts with you and me. It starts with us. We can believe for good things in our life. For God to show up, for God to manifest himself, for the miraculous to happen. You know, he still does miracles, by the way. I mean, what Anthony had, that was a miracle. When people get healed, when the doctor says the only way for this to be repaired is for surgery, and it gets repaired. Supernaturally. God wants to do that in our lives. He wants to do the supernatural. Let's believe for the supernatural, you know. Miracles, we have the ability to see miracles, to be the agent of the miracle. What, by that, I mean you believe for something that's impossible. Jesus said this about you and me. All things are possible to them that believe. You are the them that Jesus is talking about. Let's just start believing for the radical, crazy, out of this world type stuff let's believe for the supernatural let's believe for God to just put Pueblo kaboom here's the whole United States and Pueblo just boom it just shines above everything it just glows with the goodness of God taste and see that the Lord is good that's what he wants to be the testimony of the people in Pueblo Colorado and say and people are going to say that that, that's happening in Pueblo? That's going to be the testimony. People outside our city are going to go, you, you, you mean 
God did that in Pueblo? Of all places, Pueblo? <laughs> yeah, Pueblo. Micah, it was recorded 400 years before Jesus was born. Oh, Bethlehem, so insignificant, so insignificant, yet thou shalt have the birth of the Savior of the world in that city. So insignificant. God takes pleasure in taking something insignificant, so small, and going, I can use that. And he will use that. He will use you. He will use me. And he will use our city. Let's stand. Amen. So are you ready? You know, I feel like the airline. Please fasten your seatbelt. Observe all the signs above your head. We are about ready for takeoff. Amen. God's ready. He's waiting on us. Just get rid of that mentality. Oh, God, would you do it here? God, would you do it? He goes, oh, I, I want to. Do you, would you believe for me to do it then? That's what he's waiting on. He's waiting on you and me. He's waiting on you and me. I said he's waiting on you and me. We've got to change our thinking, change our believer. Quit worrying. Quit worrying. Stop it. Start praising, grabbing a hold of the one scripture can change everything. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name for the goodness of God that people will know that it wasn't any one person, any one particular body. It was God. All of the, the children of Egypt, everybody there just knew that Israel had the true God that they served the true God. All of their gods became nothing and inferior to the God of Israel. I believe, Father, that you want that to happen in our city. You want everybody to know everything else. Everything else is inferior to our God. Sickness is inferior to our God. Poverty and lack is inferior to our God. Having a low self-esteem and in being insufficient in areas of our life is inferior to our God. Poor relationships and a lack of wisdom how to do things and, and not having great jobs, is all of that is inferior to our God. And so, God, we're trusting you in 2021. We're trusting you with all of our might, with all of our strength, and we're not leaning to our own understanding. How can this happen? I don't know. How can Pueblo get put up on the map? I don't know. How can I prosper and be in hell? By God. All of that is by God. So we look to you today, tomorrow, next week, and next year. We look to you, the author and finisher of our faith. You have placed faith within us so we can believe for the impossible. Because we have the one who walked on water. We have the one who caused the dead to rise. We have the one who even died himself but was resurrected. We have that one living in us. So, Father, help us never to forget that. 
that you're doing exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to that one, to that power that is in us. In Jesus' name, amen.